Hello and welcome to the Pro Football Network Miami Dolphins podcast. I'm your host, Matt Infante, joined as always by Adam H. Beasley. Um, and I said last week this game in Buffalo was a chance for the Dolphins to prove them, uh, you know, that this team was different than previous 3-0 Dolphins teams that historically end up disappointing. I said it was a litmus test for the Dolphins. And Adam, they failed this test in a number of ways. Yeah, well, let's first off at the top of the show saying I am done making picks on Tuesday, okay? <laughs> we can we can talk about who we think is going to win this game, and obviously week five is much different than week four. But when I actually sat down and looked at the numbers, I was like, oh, man, the Bills are going to win this game. And that's who, uh, the pick I made in print. Those of you who listen to the podcast only will think that I'm totally a hypocrite, but it is what it is. The Bills on paper were the slightly better team, and at home they were the substantially better team. I don't think – the Bills are four touchdowns better than the Dolphins. I think the game got away from them. Uh, and I think it got away from them late in the, the second quarter. And honestly, I think that there was four straight four, three and outs by the Dolphins that basically doomed them because we saw their defense could not stop the Bills. So if they didn't match them score for score, they were going to lose. That's a, t- you know, that's an int- very tall task to ask any offense, uh, even one as high power as the Dolphins. Uh, defense, horrendous. Offense not good enough to, to win a track meet. Um, and as a result, the Dolphins need some help and need to, uh, well, at the very least, they need to win the head-to-head with the Bills and probably need some help uh, from Bills' opponents to win the division. If not, they're going on the road in the playoffs. That's how significant that game was up in uh, Western New York. Yeah, and you made the point. that The second quarter, things started to snowball on them. It, it felt like watching it. The offense started to press a little bit because they knew the defense wasn't going to get any stops and they had to keep up. And it just a couple couple bad drives in a row and kind of the game got away from them. Um, after the game, it was interesting. Uh, the word humbling, right, was thrown around a lot. Um, I, I know uh, Tua and, and Tyreek Hill both used that word. Um, Tua said the loss was very humbling. For some, it's much needed. And my ears immediately went up when I heard that. I said, you know, what what was he talking about? Was there a sense of overconfidence after the 3-0 and start and the 70-point the game and everybody was talking about them? Could, could this have actually been, you know, um, something that in the long run it's good for this team? Uh, before I answer your question, I, I want to go back to that that quote because I went back and listened to it like three or four times to make sure because the audio on the, uh, the YouTube kind of broke up and I was like, I wanted to make sure that I'm not – this is a very, very important quote to get correct. All of them are obviously, but if you have your franchise quarterback saying, Hey, some of these guys were, were reading the press clippings a little too much. And then after he said it, and obviously those who are listening on the pod can't see what I'm doing, but Tua kind of bowed up a little bit and pulled down his pads. And when he did that, I was like, Oh man, he's really leaning into this. So don't know who that message was for. uh, But I would assume it was uh, received loud and clear uh, with how he said it and certainly the content of what he said. Um, yeah, I think that they were, look, you drop 70 on an NFL team, you're going to be very, very confident. I don't think the Dolphins overlooked the Bills. That would be a total miscarriage of responsibilities, um, professional malfeasance, uh, particularly because they hadn't won there since 2016, I think was the last time they this is the last time they've won up there. Yeah, um, I believe it was the Christmas Eve game to get them into the playoffs. Yep. yep. Not only staffing that game for the um, the Herald, I, afterwards I made the seven-hour drive to my parents' house in central PA uh, on Christmas Eve. I think I had Christmas Eve dinner, dinner at a Sheets gas station. Uh, 
about 11:45 at night and uh, and and rolled into Harrisburg at like 2 a.m. So I know that well, you had the memory game. of a a playoff clinching victory. So yeah, no, that was a great was game. Perfect. That was. They actually they didn't clinch till the next day. They clinched. right on Christmas Day. The Broncos had a lose, if I remember right. Yep, yeah. uh, I can't remember who it was, but something had to happen, which was good because didn't they get boat raced by the Patriots the next week? So if that was a must win yep. game, they wouldn't yep. have won it. Uh, anyway, <laughs> hopefully happier times in 2023. They'll have a playoff spot, and I think they will locked up uh, in advance of the you know the last week of the season. Uh, but regardless, yeah, they there was probably a mindset for and some of them that hey, we're we're going to the Super Bowl. This is let's go. We're off to the races. It's easy for us now. It's easy. Look at what how effortless it was to drop seventy uh, on the Broncos. Well, we found out last week that even the Bears can move the ball against the Broncos. So let's not read too much into that. Uh, and and it caught them. And I you know I I, I do think it's a little overrated. You know. Uh, respect and overlooking and all that. I don't, again, I, there's no way you overlook the bills in, you know, Highmark stadium. It's absurd. Uh, but I do think it crystallizes the mind going forward. I think it's a whole lot easier for the things that Mike McDaniel and Vic Fangio have been transmitting to their team for them to take it seriously. Now that they've, I mean, that was the worst loss in, in McDaniel's time here as the dolphins. Uh, and they had some games with Skylar Thompson as their quarterback and never have they had a loss like they did on Sunday. So, yeah, you can chastened, humbled, embarrassed, whatever word you want to use to describe it. They all apply. Yeah, and, and certainly um, you, know, you brought up Josh Boyer. I, I think it's worth noting here how the defense under Vic Fangio, um, but what we expected to see is certainly um, – not come to fruition yet, right? It it almost feels like they've taken a step back from the Josh Boyer defenses that a lot of fans were screaming about last year. Um, And and there were warning signs of this. Even last week against Denver, they had three 60-plus yard drives, and the Denver offense isn't, you know, anywhere near as as, as potent as the Bills. And and that was a, a kind of a red flag that I think got overlooked because they put up 70 points. And then you have, you know, against Buffalo, I think they had, what, four more 60-plus-yard touchdown drives that they allowed. Um, a lot of bad tackling, a lot of bad coverage. Um, what do you think about, you know, Vic Fangio's defense? And, and, you know, compare and contrast it to what Josh Boyer was able to do last year with a unit that probably wasn't as talented as Fangio has this year. Uh, at the very least, um, there's there's parity. And the you know, between last year's talent and this year, certainly if Ramsey was available and Jalen Phillips didn't play in that game, but you don't skip up 48 points because one player is missing. That's, that's a straw man, obviously. Um, but uh, I, I do think that there is a reason that Brian Flores and Josh Boyer uh, blitzed as much as they did in 2022. Uh, they blitzed 33% of the time. Uh, certainly at, at times, particularly when, uh, Xavier Howard was banged up that the corners didn't love that didn't love being out there on the island because it exposes them uh, but Flo and, and, and Boyer like didn't just make stuff up like they, they there's a reason behind what they did and there may have been some validity to it I um, we're taping this on Tuesday morning uh, as soon as I we finish this 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 show up I'm going to put together a story and post it on Pro Football Network looking at how much more effective 
the Dolphins are blitzing this year when they're not. And, and, and first of all, let's let's be clear. This is by far the worst defense in the AFC East. Like not even close. This is by far the worst defense. They are bottom six or seven in literally every major category you could find. Like they are really, really bad. Um, run defense has actually been okay. Uh, but the pass defense and the pressure they've gotten on the quarterback has been so bad, it skews all their rankings. Um, and, and here's some stats, and this is courtesy of SIS, uh, Matt, that I'm going to share with you. And this is, again, will be in the story that I'm, that I'm working on right now. Um, the, the Dolphins are blitzing 29% of the time, down slightly, but not a ton, but down some uh, from last year, 33%, as I said, was their blitz rate a year ago. Um, when they blitz, they're, they, they're, they're 16th in yards per attempt, 7, 20th in pass rating against 105.2. But here's really the telling stats. Third in EPA, minus 0.33, uh, eighth in positive EPA rate, and that's how percentage of times when they blitz, the opposing team has a positive EPA, 37.5, uh, and they're also 26th in completion percentage. So obviously, if you have fewer guys in coverage, teams are going to be able to complete more passes. It's, you know, it, but the upside of them getting to the quarterback, and by the way, what's here's a quick crazy stat for you. Um, Jalen Ramsey, I'm sorry, not Jalen Ramsey, Jalen Phillips, um, Christian Wilkins, Emmanuel Ogba, and Bradley Chubb combined for, I believe, $42 million in cap liabilities for the Dolphins this year. They have combined for three and a half sacks, okay? Three and a half sacks in four games, $42 million in cap liabilities. Probably not many more um, pressures either because they. it's not like they've been getting close and it's not getting home. They yeah, haven't no, been so getting close. They, they, they have not been at all impactful. So when the Dolphins don't blitz, their yards per attempt slightly better from 7 to 6.8, passer rating better from 105.2 to 88.5. And to me, that's a reflection on touchdowns, right? If you're blitzing, maybe you're getting beat for touchdowns a little bit more. Um, The completion percentage is significantly down when they don't blitz. But here's what's crazy. The advanced metrics say that stuff doesn't matter because the, the, the impact that blitzing has on the opposing team far outweighs the risk of maybe giving up a touchdown, um, you know, having, you know, Cater Cadu uh, getting picked on a little bit more. The EPA per play, uh, which was minus 3.33, which was third in the league when they blitz, all the way down to 14th when they don't blitz, minus 0.12. And the positive EPA rate, uh, 45.9, which is 19th, as I mentioned, it was 37 and a half. And that was eighth when they do blitz. So there is tangible evidence that by blitzing, they are not only getting more pressure on the quarterback, obviously giving more sack opportunities, but you have a statistically higher chance of a negative in, a negative play when you do bring the extra rusher. The question I have for you, Matt, is what is that a reflection on? Is it a reflection on scheme that's, or is it a reflection on the front four of the Dolphins just simply not being able to do their job without help? Can it be both? Um, I, I mean, historically, you know, Vic does not like to blitz, which, um, well, you know, the, how stubborn is he? If he keeps seeing this week after week where they can't get to the quarterback with a four-man rush, he, you know, he's going to have to adapt. Um, I, I, th- I think it would be crazy to say that, you know, the, the whole front seven has, you know, um, hasn't underperformed because they have uh, big time. And, and irrelevant of, of salary and all that, they just – you know, all that aside, they're not doing their job. And that's why the Dolphins are going to have to blitz more um, because the secondary cannot manage, you know, in coverage when these quarterbacks are getting 
two and a half, three, three and a half seconds to throw. Um, they, they, they have to be moved up their spot. They have to, you know, kind of be rushed a little bit because right now there's problems in the secondary, right? And, and I know uh, Cater Kohu had a bad game. He's better than that, right? We've all seen him better than that. You have to question, and, and I know David Howard said it after the game that, um, you know, he wanted to shadow Stefan Diggs. Um, I know, I guess it's a reflection of what Vic believes in, but at some point, you know, you have to listen to your best player in the secondary and, and kind of give him that opportunity because it, it clearly wasn't working. And it was clear early it wasn't working, and they didn't really adjust. Um, yeah, um, I, I think that's all fair. Uh, I also think Brandon Jones, there's a reason that he hasn't been playing on defense. And Deshaun Elliott, when he gets hurt, we see bad in that secondary, yeah. that back half. Um, you know, Javon Holland might be the only guy who's consistently playing out there, right? I mean, he's... He hasn't been a liability. We haven't seen the splash plays. And I, and I honestly, I think that's the biggest issue uh, for me with this defense is even when Flo had it going, they weren't great. They were fine, but they weren't great on a down-in, down-out basis. But if you're getting 11 interceptions from Xavier Howard and you're strip-sacking and you're, you know, you're getting quarterbacks to throw the ball away, um, it really, really goes a long way. And that's the thing is that – I hate the term bend, but don't break because if you have a bend, but don't break defense, you have a bad defense. You have a, you know, you have a defense, that, you know, always, on, always on the field, always giving up a ton of yards. And if they don't get lucky in the red zone, they're going to give up a lot of points. Um, the, the Dolphins were able to overcome a lot of that in recent years because of those splash plays. Those are non-existent this year. Like, like did Josh Allen, who's a turnover machine, I can't even think of him coming close to turning the ball over. Like, uh, what was he? 21 to 25, I think. Uh, yeah. and, and, and none of the four incompletions were in danger of, uh, of a pick. And certainly when you're not even breathing on the quarterback, you're not getting strip sacks. So that to me is like, where are the playmakers? That is the biggest deficiency on this team. I understand busts. I understand that Kohu is a lot, a lot's being asked of an undrafted guy who's, probably a slot nickel right um that, that's that, that that's probably what his role should be um it's an indictment obviously of eli apple who is a healthy scratch indictment of cam smith who is a second round pick that can't sniff the field that you've got the likes of justin bethel out there getting significant stabs snaps if you had told me when we were in otas in april and may that justin bethel would be your number three snap getter week four against the bills like crisis right that's an enormous crisis ramsey injury totally screwed everything up but uh kelvin joseph trade obviously they don't love him in the secondary they, they would be playing him more so yeah this is all really a long way of saying matt that if you can't trust the guys in the back end you got to get pressure and you've got to take you've got to take the risk that you're going to occasionally give up some some deep balls but the but the pros of, of of bringing an extra guy and trying to get that splash play out, outweigh the negatives because particularly with and we can get into the offense and we've we've gone 15 minutes on the defense already but we can get into the offense I don't think the offense played bad last week I don't think that they were great they had a couple of boneheaded plays that that cost them points and a fourth down conversion that cost them points and all that um, but I don't think I, I'm not worried about the offense. Particularly if Connor Williams comes back and we don't have to see Liam Eikenberg again, um, you got to get that. You have to give that offense three, four stops. You have to, and and I 
I need to look up this stat, and I'm sorry I don't have it offhand. I always come to the show unprepared. Matthew, I apologize. Uh, I would love to see the Dolphins' average starting position compared to their opposition, right? Because how often have they started on the plus side of the 50-yard line? I know they had that that Van Ginkle fumble return inside the 20. Can't remember. I think it was the Broncos game. It's their only home game, so it was the Broncos yep. game. Um, but beyond that, how many times have they had first and 10 at like the 40? They're, yeah, they're, they're, you're, you're asking, yeah, you're asking Tua to, to go on these. And he's able to do it, but it's a tall task to, to ask Tua to go 80 yards time and time and time again, particularly when, as we've seen the Patriots do, as we saw some of the Bills do, and I'm sure we're going to see teams do the rest of the season, they're playing this, this soft shell that, you know, go ahead and take all the underneath stuff. We we bet at some point you're going to make a dumb holding penalty or Liam is going to get beat for a sack and it's going to blow up the drive. Um, you have to, as a defense, at the very least, get three or four stops and 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 give the the offense easy scoring opportunities. Those have been few and far between this season. Yeah, and, and you brought up Cam Smith. It's something I'm wondering if uh, Fangio is going to be asked about this week because what are they seeing or what are they not seeing in practice from him that he's not a better option to be out there to let Kohu move back inside, you know, in um, in the nickel and give Cam Smith a shot because I. I if Justin Bethel is the reason he's not, on, you know, he can't get on the field, that's an indictment on Cam Smith. And we saw flashes in the preseason. Then he got hurt. Um, we don't know what they're seeing in practice, but I, I think that's a question that, that needs to be asked now because anything, you know, is better than what we're seeing right now from the secondary. Yeah. Um, and you brought and, up and- Elliott uh, and Jones. And I, I remember back when, when Fangio signed and then, you know, they, they, they got Elliott. A lot of people question Brandon Jones's fit in Fangio's defense and kind of overlooked it, um, not really being an expert in Fangio's schematics. But those people that I saw on Twitter, and it was several of them, so that's why I can't just name one, they seem to be right because Jones looks at a place. I know he could still be rusty coming back from the injury, but it was a night and day difference when Elliott's on the field compared to what Jones looks like on the field. Yeah, and again, I'm not going to pretend that I'm some God's gift to film breakdown, but... Jones is good when he's near the line of scrimmage making plays, right? He's blitzing, he's taking on a tight end. You know, that's where he's good. Um, Trying to help cover Steph Diggs down the field really doesn't seem to be a strong suit of his. So, um, yeah, I I agree. I've got got no – nothing for you. Like, at least at corner, you can kind of potentially see it getting better throughout the course of the year. At safety, unless they make a trade, what they have is what they have. Yeah. Yeah. There will be some, you know, you said trade. It's interesting. I saw somebody on Twitter. It might've been Chris Kaufman from the three yards per carry podcast suggest Eddie Jackson from the bears. Cause he knows Fangio's that. defense. Yeah. Um, and you know, the bears obviously aren't going anywhere and they'll, you know, want to accumulate as many picks as possible. But I do wonder how active the Dolphins are going to be at various positions. Um, the secondary obviously stands out uh, perhaps other places as well, you know, come the trade deadline in a few weeks. Yeah, let's let's just go through it real quick. What we've seen through four weeks, and again, I don't want this to be a funeral podcast. Okay, they they got their butts whipped by maybe the best team in the National Football League. Certainly, one of the three best teams. Then the Eagles and the Niners. You can kind of throw those three in a hat. And so long as Allen's not throwing the ball to the wrong team, those are the three best teams right now. We've seen the most complete teams, right? Uh, the Dolphins are the most explosive team, but those are the three most complete teams. Although the Bills are pretty darn explosive too, right? Let's let's not act like what they have. 
the, the Jets make even the Chiefs look human, right? So uh, other than the Jets, that offense has been absolutely dominant. Um, but, but I, you know, I, I, I do think um, that the, 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 the Dolphins are really – they, they need help in the secondary, of course. They need help in the interior offensive line or else maybe just promote Olave. I, you know, I can't pronounce his name properly, but they need a backup center. Um, tight end's fine. Wide receiver's fine. Quarterback's fine. Running back is certainly fine. Um, no team's going to give away a pass rusher. So you know, is, is that is that a place where you go? And particularly, they've already spent a ton of money at that position. Yeah, I don't think you can go for pass rusher because you, you just did that, you know, when you brought Bradley Chubb in, and that hasn't exactly panned out at this point. Yeah. So, um, and linebacker is the only other question mark. Uh, I think that there were, uh, I think Omar Kelly made a point that that Jerome Baker and and um, Long don't play. Gabe Long don't play great together. Uh, it's possible that's there's something going on there. But they had some busts, particularly at linebacker, uh, this past week as well. So um, you can't – like, honestly, your roster is pretty much what your roster is when you get to training camp. And the Bradley Chubb deal was, you know, a blockbuster, but how much has that helped the Dolphins? It, argument could be made that it's been a net negative because it's taking cap money and draft picks away from them. So um, really, I think the group they have has to play better. And they can. We've seen it. It's not like it's – you know, it, it, it's not like Christian Wilkins forgot how to play football, right? And by the way, he has cost himself some money so far. It's not like Bradley Chubb has forgot how to play football. Um, Jalen Phillips needs to get healthy, of course, but those guys just need to play better and they need a defensive coordinator who plays to their strengths. Yeah, and we spent a lot of time on, on the defense. Let, let's talk about the offense. I know you said you weren't concerned. Um, I, I think the, the one observation I made right away was that Connor Williams earned some money without playing a single snap in Buffalo because you saw how important he was to the offensive right. line. Um, I do wonder now if all of us were fooled into thinking the offensive line was as good as it was in weeks one through three. Um, I saw some people say that they think that, you know, Mike McDaniel and Tua were exposed. I don't think that's the case. I think the offensive line was exposed because what the Bills did was they didn't take the cheese. They didn't, you know, get fooled by the motions and Tua didn't have his first read. And when he had to stay in there for an extra beat, the offensive line collapsed. It wasn't the quarterback's fault. The offensive line had, you know, I think their problems were masked by how quick the Tua got rid of the ball in weeks one through three. When the first read wasn't there against Buffalo, the offensive line was collapsing. Yeah, Eichenberg was an issue there, but it wasn't just him. It wasn't just him um, that was giving up sacks and pressures. And it makes me wonder what the offensive line really is, because it's probably not as great as we thought it was weeks one through three. Hopefully it's not as bad as what we saw week four, probably somewhere in the middle. Yeah. I mean, this is still the number one run offense in the national football league. Right. I mean, there's still, uh, I, I think pass pro is part of the equation, but it's not the entire equation for that offensive line. And they still had a hundred yard rusher on, on Sunday. Certainly a lot of it was one run, but uh, it's not like they're, they were, incapable of running the football i think mcdaniel even admits he got away from the run before he yeah. should have so that that could be part of it um but yeah they they missed connor williams absolutely they will miss Teron armstead although the, the drop off from <laughs> connor williams Leon Eichenberg was way bigger than drop off from armstead particularly with his health at 32 or whatever he is that it is to lamb um 
but but yeah, I mean, I I also think the receivers got mugged, and 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 I'm not saying that as pejorative. I think they 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 got manhandled the line of scrimmage in a lot of ways that it wasn't that 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 first read wasn't there because they couldn't get open. And I you know I'm wondering, and we should we should maybe explore this a bit. How much is too much usage for Tyreek Hill? Because uh, I'm not saying he's looking worn down already. That that's absurd, but is 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 the amount of you know targets he gets and the kind of catches he makes uh and the hits that he takes uh is he tired is he gassed a little bit he's a guy that isn't i mean i'm not saying he doesn't have good fitness but he's also a guy that cramps up all the time and needs to go to the locker room early to get we have like two percent body fat that happens apparently i I can't relate to that yeah i have no idea what that means but yeah sure (laughs) um so yeah no I do think that there is a question of whether or not, and I think this leads into a point that you wanted to bring up, that they're relying on him too much, that there's too much on his plate, because to your point, they're motioning him every single snap. So I would love to see a Fitbit on that dude for the course of a football game. You know, I know they have, the team has these GPS trackers. I'd love to see how much that guy runs. It's probably 10 miles a game, like not even a joke. Uh, He is always on the move. Um, does that add up and do they need to find more balance in their offense uh, to, to, to ensure that their best weapon uh, doesn't get to mid season and runs out of gas? Yeah. And th- that leads to the next point. I wanted to talk about Jalen Waddle a little bit, right? Because um, the, the, to your point, the opportunity to get more out of other guys than Tyreek Hill and, and Jalen Waddle is one of them. Um, I feel like in training camp, a lot of people talked about, you know, how well he was performing. He was kind of the star day in and day out. People, I remember there was a couple of tweets about, you know, Tyreek had a had a bad training camp or a quiet training camp and Waddle was standing out. Um, but we just haven't seen it in games. And I know he was hurt with the concussion, but even before that and after that, he hasn't made those those big plays that we got accustomed to seeing last year um, outside of the one big pass against the Patriots that he came down with. That's the only one that kind of stands out the top of my head. Um they need to get more out of Waddle. Should we be concerned about what we're seeing out of him? Um, or is this just more of an aberration and kind of how the offense has evolved? And he'll be, you know, he'll get back to the form he was showing last year as the season progresses. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say this. Uh, I didn't go back and watch the All-22, but some of the cutups I saw, dude was open, right? It's not like uh, he, he, there aren't opportunities to get him the football. I think his numbers would have been better this past week. Um if the Dolphins pass pro didn't collapse like nine hits on the quarterback and yeah. four sacks and all that, you can't get to a dude who's even with a waddle speed, who's 25 yards downfield because you simply just don't, don't have the time. So I don't think this is a, a dump on jail and waddle moment. I do think that missing a game with concussion and then coming back and, you know, maybe, you know, he needs to get his feet back under him and all that. I do expect the Dolphins to have a fantastic game, by the way, this coming weekend. Um, not to jump too far ahead. I would I would absolutely buy low on Jalen Waddle against the Giants and the Panthers because those are two teams the Dolphins are going to – they might score 80 points in the next two weeks. Like, seriously, those are really, really bad defenses that cannot get after the well, – the Giants, I haven't looked at the Panthers yet, but – we've seen the, the Panthers be a bad team as well, particularly on offense. But I, I think the Dolphins will get right the next two weeks. Um, but yeah, I, I do think that having Tyreek Hill being the focal point of the offense 
will have some, uh, you know, it will have some ripple effects that go beyond this week and next week. I do think that they absolutely, if, if teams, if teams don't fear Jalen Waddle, which is silly because the dude didn't get slower. Right. Yeah. You can, you can have, you can have some questions about maybe some of his, you know, his catches. He's had some drops. Um, I was expecting him to play a lot better, particularly against a bill secondary. That was like, if you want to look for warning signs for the bills going forward, Look at their cornerback depth all of a sudden. Hey, Tredavious White, White's out for the season now with an Achilles, and they had it, they had some issues going into it. Um, you're, you, when they play here in January, assuming the Dolphins' pass protection improves, they're going to do a lot better in offense than they did up there in Buffalo. Communication was a big issue with the noise and all that. Uh, but I, I do think that, that Waddle needs to step up. I do think that he is a guy that um, – you're going to see a lot of shading toward Tyreek's way. If you get that and he would be a number one receiver on 75% of the teams in the national football league, you got to make a pay. They absolutely have to. Uh, and I think they will going forward. Yeah. And, and um, there, there was one other point too. Uh, you mentioned about, you know, usage of Tyreek Hill and Tyreek said something after the game and, and you alluded to that McDaniel talked about on Monday um, Hill pointed out how the Bills used a lot of cover too. Uh, there was always somebody over the top, and a receiver suggested that running the ball could have opened things up more. Think about that. A receiver like Tyreek Hill, who wants 2,000 yards, suggesting they should have ran the ball more. And then McDaniel kind of admitted that on Monday um, that he abandoned it too quickly. Uh, I think we should start to see a recommitment to the run a little bit, especially with the running back depth they have, because they have two guys that are very good. They have Ahmed back. They'll be getting. Uh, Jeff Wilson back soon, I believe. Yeah, they, again, right? you guys might be listening to this on Wednesday, but as of Tuesday, Jeff Wilson is still on um, IR. Entirely possible he is off that list by the time you listen to this. Uh, we'll give the Dolphins – I mean, it's funny. <laughs> Going back, we, I, I did a ranking after the uh, Dalvin Cook deal, of the ranking the AFC East running back rooms. Uh, boy, was I dumb. I mean, the Dolphins have, the Dolphins have the best running back room of and, and certainly in the AFC East and one of the best running back rooms in all of football. And it, it's wild to me that they even entertain the idea of Jonathan Taylor, considering the depth they have at that position. Um, but yeah, you have that depth. You have an offensive line that likes to lean on people, lean on them, run the football. Um, I mean, certainly you got to earn those runs too, though, right? It can't, you know, if, 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 if you get stuffed on first down, they're not going to run the ball in second 11. They're not. So you've got to earn the, the, the opportunity to have more. Um, it's always a catch-22, though, right? Because the most efficient play is always throwing the ball to Tyree Kill or Jalen Waddle. That's always yeah. the most efficient play. But it can't be your only play. And you have to have the balance, to Tyreek's point, to keep those guys honest at the very least. Yeah, and I think, you know, like you said, this week's game is a get-right game, um, hopefully for, for both sides of the ball, really. Um, I, I, I would be stunned if we didn't see a little um, frustration being taken out, uh, you know, on, on this Giants defense by, by the offense. Um, but, you know, looking at beyond that, I, yeah, the Giants, the Panthers, right, the next two games, I hate to use must-win this early, but consider this. Okay? I initially had the Dolphins pegged as a 10-win wild-card kind of team, Somewhere during those first three weeks of the season, you know, expectations shifted. Um, I don't think they shift again after one bad game. Uh, everything that we spoke about last week about division, playoff seating, home field, that's all still in front of them. All right? They can still do it. But they cannot lose 
either of these next two games. They can't have a second loss heading into the Eagles, Patriots, Chiefs setup before the bye. Because if they have a second loss heading into those three games, there's a fair chance that the Dolphins are five and four at the bye. And that would be a you know kind of an untenable situation for them, especially after the start. 100% agree with every single word you said. They're not going to lose to the Giants. I know I'm not making Stop it. Stop it. They're not. Okay. Jinx thing's uh, not real, but come on. Come on. Easy. All right. So, uh, first of all, you saw the game last night? I did. I you did. You saw their complete inability to protect Daniel Jones? I think yes. 11 sacks. And you saw his complete inability to throw the ball to the right team? Yes. You saw those things? Did I, you? I saw it all. Did, 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 I also did saw you? that they're now 10, the Dolphins are 10 and a half point favorites. It was nine and a half before the game. So Vegas saw that and said, oh, well, no, no, no. We got to add another point. Okay. I think the defense will get the sacks, not all of them back, but a lot of the sacks that they've, you know, they've left on the table. I also think this could be, uh, you know, MVP real type game for Tua because that Giants defense has no ability to get after it. Look, if, if the Dolphins offensive line collapses against the Giants like he did against the Bills, Five alarm fire, right? Yeah. It is it is panic time. Uh, a couple of stats, and I, I know uh, this is on Twitter already, you know, from me, but I want to share with the with the listening audience. Miami Dolphins' week five opponent, the New York Giants, have the league's worst hurry rate, one point six percent. Right, a one point six percent of dropbacks do they get? Do they hurry the quarterback? Despite having the NFL's third highest blitz rate, forty point eight percent. Okay, they blitz two out of every five dropbacks. And they get pressure on the quarterback. What would that be? Uh, one out of every thirty-five or forty dropbacks. That's absolutely bonkers. No, it's it's more than that. Like sixty to sixty-five. You're the math guy. But one point six percent is like one out of every what? 60, 65, 65 snaps. Yeah, about sixty between sixty-five and seventy. That that is crazy. And that's with Kayvon Thibodeau there, who is pretty much the only pass rusher you can probably even name from from the Giants. Yeah, and one other thing, real quick. Uh, so Wink Martindale loves to, to blitz. That's what he does. He, 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 he brings the extra rusher. Not a great idea against Tua. Okay. Here's some stats. Ready? Dolphins, when they, and this is again, courtesy of SIS stats, Dolphins, when they faced the blitz in 2023, number one in yards per attempt, 10.6. Number one in adjust, adjusted yards per attempt, 14.1. Number one in passer rating, 149.1. Uh, pressure rate, 31%. So even when they they give up, teams blitz them, they're not giving up a ton of pressures. Uh, EPA, 18.21, okay? Positive EPA rate, 65%, okay? So in 65% of times, they have a positive EPA. Yeah, that no, that's remarkable. Do you think that that Wink, you know, sees this and, and, and you know, surprises by by not sending the extra rusher? And it, would it even matter? Because then you're saying, okay, two is going to have time. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't really know what the, the Giants. It feels like they're in a no-win situation here on, on defense because they they are undermanned against what the Dolphins can do. Which is why the Dolphins are going to win by two scores at least. Yeah, I mean, I I Dolphins by a touchdown. That's by the way, one of us here is four and zero on our podcast picks here. Just, okay, I'm three. And, I'm three and one in print though. You, uh, um, well, you, you, you strong army, you browbeat me into making picks, uh, five days before the game. So listen, th- th- what's going to change between now and Sunday outside of a couple key injuries that will 
that, that, that could change your mind. My digestion of the, the stats. <laughs> yeah, me actually looking more closely at the game than just a hot That's take fair. off the top of my head. Okay, well, so this week, so do the Dolphins cover? I guess that maybe is the better question. It's okay. 10 and a half. What, where would you fall on that? That's a, that's a good number because uh, what's the over-under? That's the question. Um, I think I have it here. One second. If it's anything less than 55, I'm hammering. 49 and a half. Oh, hammer that over. Hammer. The Dolphins might so score they, 50 on their own. So that's the play? Yeah. Yeah, I like it. In fact, I might go place that bet as soon as this uh, this taping is over. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it feels like a 30, 30 to 20 kind of game is kind of what Vegas is is, is saying there, right? That's kind of that, – that feels right. I, I would probably lay it a 10 and a half. Um, well, I probably just wouldn't bet it at all, frankly, uh, and, and do the over like you said. But I think the Dolphins win this one, um, and, and hopefully it's in a convincing way, right? Because there's wins and there's wins. And you don't want to, you know, yeah, you leave it a win, but you're backing into it because of something that happens during the game. You want a convincing win here to kind of get the season back on the right track and everyone be talking, you know, more positively like they were two weeks ago. About oh, here's a, fun, here's a fun pop, fun prop bet, easy for me to say. Uh, over under 1.5 turnovers forced. Oh. Boy, that's... The, the Dolphins are not good at forcing them and the Giants just like to give them away like candy. Um I, I would probably say over. I, yeah. I think, um, right. I, I think, the, the, and it might not be interceptions. It could be fumbles. Daniel Jones is known to fumble. Um, so it's certainly, I think the defense needs to show up. The offense, I, like you said, will be there. I'm not worried about it. It would just make everyone feel good if the defense kind of showed up against the Giants and didn't let the Giants hang around in this game. Just kind of, you know, uh, get on top early and just beat them down and don't let them back into the game and convince everyone that, you know, we can indeed, you know, still be that, that defense that many thought, right. This is a top 10 defense heading into the season, according to most people, even without Ramsey, they were still at the top 15 defense. that will get better when Ramsey comes back and they haven't looked like that at all. So this has to be a game where they kind of, you know, look in the mirror and, and kind of prove they, they still can be that. Um, and, and then they have two weeks to do that because they have the Panthers after that. And then, and then it gets real again. Cause they'll be on Sunday night football against the Eagles in Philadelphia and the whole nation will watch and kind of see what the dolphins are now compared to what they were a few weeks ago. The, they will play the defense and the team in general will play substantially better this week than they did last. If no further reason, the game is in South Florida where they're incredible and not in Buffalo where they're terrible. Um, and, and I think they win convincingly like 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 35 14 something like that okay all right we will we will see um so adam uh, all of your content this week was still at propublenetwork.com slash miami hyphen dolphins <laughs> uh, uh you're the you're the one who pays me so i hope so no it's still there it's still there i'm just you know gonna plug that whenever i can um also if you haven't yet please subscribe to the podcast if you're watching on youtube like it subscribe all of that good stuff Um, And we will see you back here again next week on the Pro Football Network Miami Dolphins podcast.